first year. That's part 20% of your grade. What a novel idea that people would go to a Bible college and have to read the Bible. I'm telling you, the Word of God is powerful, and Elijah recognized this, and because of it, he was fearless. And he just walked up to the king and says, this is the way it's going to be according to this word. I've got a word from God. Man, a person with a word from God is never at the mercy of a person with an argument or doubt or skepticism. We just need to start valuing the word. Most people don't understand how precious it is what God has given us. And many people, I was just having a conversation, I forgot who this was with, but it was somebody, one of these guys here just yesterday, or no, anyway, it's a friend from um, Mexico that called me last night, and he was talking about that he's had to start going back, and he never says something about, like, you know, with Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. He's quit doing that because he says his people don't understand who Cornelius is. They don't have the basic Bible knowledge. He says from now on, he says he is going to, every time he refers to anything in Scripture, he's going to turn over there and show it to them and read it because he says people are so ignorant of the Word of God. The vast majority of people don't even have the foundation that maybe a generation ago or two generations ago that was even the lost people knew more about the Bible than many Christians do today. We just haven't put the importance on the Word of God. But this is what propelled Elijah into a position of leadership was one word from God. And here is a great point. Man, I pray that you open your heart up and get this. In verse 2, after he had made this bold statement that could have cost him his life, could have put him in prison, terrible consequences could have come. It says in verse 2, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Boy, now this is a major, major point. Lots of people have had God speak things to them and put desires in their heart. You feel like God is leading you to do something. But did you know what? Most people are so fearful. They don't have confidence in the Word of God. They really don't trust God the way that they should. And because of that, they'll say, God, if you're leading me to do this, well then show me how you'll take care of this and this and this. What about all of these things? And you want God to work it all out before you will step out and take any step of faith. Again, an application here directly to our Bible school. I've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come to me and say, I just want to come to Bible school. I think that this is what God wants me to do, but... And then they'll start telling me about this. What about my job? I'm four years away from retirement. If I retired, I would have so much more money coming in and this, and they have all of these other reasons that they begin to start taking into account and trying to figure out, and they say... You know, I don't know if I have a job if I move here. What about a job? And so you want God to provide you a job before you make any move in this direction. You want God to sell your house. You want God to provide all of these things and want all of this. You know, Elijah, when he gave this word, he didn't know that God was going to protect him. The word of the Lord, the second word, hadn't come to him until he acted on the first word. And see, there's a lot of people saying, all right, God, if you want me to come to 
Bible college, then just start doing this and this and this, and you want all of these things to line up so that there's no faith involved, so that it takes no effort, so that you don't have to trust God. I'm telling you, one of the biggest parts about Bible school is just making the step of faith and beginning the process, and you see God come through and provide for you and do all of these things. But see, God isn't going to give you step number two through ten until you act on step number one. And there's multiple reasons for that. One of them is he loves you. And if God was to put it into your heart and tell you to come to school, but then you aren't going to do it, and so he's got to do all of these other things and begin to provide all of these other things, then if you don't follow through with it, instead of being accountable for one thing that you didn't obey, now you'd be accountable for ten things that you didn't obey him on. God just is going to reveal things to you one step at a time. It's like if you're walking on a path at a dark night, he doesn't just illuminate the whole thing and show you the end of the journey. He gives you a light that shows you enough light for where you're walking so that you won't trip. He'll give you step by step by step, and he'll show you, but he doesn't always show the whole thing to you. He wants you to trust him. The journey is as important as the destination with God. God wants you to begin to trust him. So if the the Lord spoke to Elijah, and Elijah didn't know that he was going to be sent to the brook Cherith, that the, that the ravens were going to feed him there, that he was going to be supplied. He didn't know what the results of his speaking this word was. I believe that he, he could have read into this, that he said, there won't be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word... And he could have reasoned and he said, well, if God gave me this word and says it's going to be years before rain comes until I speak it, he could figure out from that I must be alive after three years. He's not going to kill me because this drought's not going to be broken until I speak it. And so he could have assumed, suspected that God was going to use him and bless him, but he didn't have the details. He didn't know what step two through ten was. He just had to step out And what did God put in his heart? He valued the word of God enough that he was willing to speak it regardless of the consequences. And I tell you, I have people all the time that just tell me that God has spoken something to them, but then they are debating about whether they will do it, how they will do it, and all of these kind of things. I had a student come in the very beginning of this school and he came from Chicago and he told me, he, he sat in my office and he says, I know God has told me to come, but he wasn't married yet. He was still living at home. He said, my parents think you're of the devil. And he says, they took me to their pastor and their pastor confirmed to him that you were totally of the devil. And so they told me that this is not God. And then he was engaged to a girl who said she would break off the engagement if he left Chicago and came to Colorado Springs. He had a job and with promotion and a lot of benefits. And he says, I'm going to lose my job and I can't find anything like this here. And so he just went through all of these things that were happening. And he says, what do you think? And I said, you lost me the moment you said God told you to come to Colorado Springs. I said, if God Almighty spoke to you and told you to do it, do it. If it hair lips the devil, do it. If it's bad, do it. I've had people before say, but I'm living on the streets. I I don't have a home. I'm homeless. How can I come to Bible college? We told them, we got streets out here. Come out here and be homeless. It's just amazing the way that people think. We had one person say, but I've got two dogs. 
And we told them, we got dogs out here. You can bring them. I'm going to leave it at that. But you know what? It's amazing how people think. The bottom line is, if God spoke to you, do it. God Almighty, who runs the universe and has millions of people crying out to him, trying to get his attention and get a word from him, he speaks to you. He tells you to do something, and then you debate whether or not you'll do it. What's wrong with you? Just bend over and let me kick you in the rear, amen. Man, if God has told you to come, do it. But my relatives don't understand. Do it. But it could cost me this. Do it. Who cares? I just don't relate to this. Man, if God tells me to do something, I will do it. Now, I might have to pray and say, God, how do I do it? Give me wisdom. Show me, you know. But I'm, there's no question. Am I going to do it? I was asking somebody this morning, are you thinking of coming to Bible college? And they said, no, I'm coming. <laughs> and I said, that's the right attitude, amen. You know, once you know in your heart that God has spoken something to you, you just do it. And then after you've taken the first step is when God will show you the next step, how you're going to do it in all of these things. But you've got to put some motion to your boat. You know, a rudder on a ship will turn that ship and direct it. But if the thing is sitting still, you can flip the rudder 360 degrees and it'll never give any direction to you. But once you start moving, even if it's very slow, once a person makes a decision and starts moving towards this goal, then God can start steering you and he can start making things happen and come to pass. But as long as you're sitting still waiting on God to remove all possibility of failure, you want a 0% chance that anything's going to go wrong. You're going to wait until you got it nailed down and there is no faith involved in it. You're going to miss God. That is not God. Man, this is one of the things I learned through Elijah. He spoke to him, gave him this word. He believed it so strong. He believed in the power of the word of God that he walked right up to the king who could kill him, gave his word without knowing what the results would be. And after he did that, the word of the Lord came to him and gave him step number two. And step number two for him was to go to this brook, Cherith, and he says, I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. He says, I have. That means he had already done it. He had already spoken to the ravens to bring him bread and flesh every morning. And notice it says, I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. In verse 4, he sent the supply to where he told Elijah to go, not to where Elijah was. That's huge. It's like in football, you know, when the quarterback throws the ball, he doesn't throw it to where the person is. He throws it to where the person is going. They have a route. I don't know if you've paid attention, but lots of the uh, better quarterbacks in the NFL, they have a point on the field that they throw that ball to, and they will many times throw the ball before the runner has actually even made his cut. He's already got the ball in the air. They're throwing the ball to where the guy is going, not to where he is. There are people saying, all right, God, if you want me to go, then just provide all of my need. Work everything out. But your provision isn't where you are. Your provision is where God told you to go. It's there. There's a place called there. 
you got to go there. The reason a lot of people aren't seeing God move in a miraculous way in their life is because you aren't all there. <laughs> You're too much here. You got to go there. Where is God's place called there? It's where whatever His Word has told you, whatever He has put in your heart. And when you do that, there is supernatural supply. You know, right now I could give you many examples of this, but this building is a miracle. We moved, I mean, we moved from a 14,600 square foot building into the 110,000 square foot building. And at the time, this was a gigantic step. But God spoke to me and said, I'm limiting him and I needed to start thinking big. So we had 30 employees, less than 30 employees, and we moved into this place and did all of this. And you know what? It just looked like it was crazy. And here we are a little over eight years later and we're out of space and we're having to build now a 220,000 square foot building to accommodate just the Bible school. The ministry will still stay in here. And so we're going to have altogether 330 or 340,000 square feet. In 10 years' time, we've come from 14,600 square feet to a I don't know, 340,000 square feet by the time we get through. And you know what? If I would have stayed over there, that there wasn't the right there. If I would have stayed here when I was over there and have thought, God, but well, I don't have the money. I didn't have the money for any of this. I didn't have anything. But you know what? I just started taking steps based on what God had spoken to me. When we moved into this building, did you know they told me, it turned out not to be true, but they told me that the utilities on this building would be over $18,000 a month. <laughs> Man, there wasn't any way I could pay $18,000 a month. Utility. It turns out we probably, maybe ten or 11000 is the most we've ever paid in one month. But I mean, I couldn't do that. But it was what God told me to do. And I figured that there was a provision there. And I, I would have to look back to be exact on this, but you know, at that time, I don't even remember what our finances were, but it was around fifty to $80,000 a month, I can guarantee. It wasn't above $80,000 a month. And now we have, we have close to $3 million a month coming in because I took a step and did what God told me to do. And I guarantee you, my provision was there. Now, my there is moving. Amen. <laughs> And this happened to Elijah. You find out that he went there and he had the ravens supplied his need, but eventually the place called there dried up. The brook dried up and God gave him a new there. You know, it's not a static thing, but I'm saying that you've got to take the word that God gives you and if God tells you to do something, there are miracles waiting for you there, your place called there. And I don't know if you're getting that, but that is powerful. If your life isn't supernatural, it's superficial. If you can look at your life and explain everything away and say, well, I worked for this and, man, I labored and it took me six years paying this car off and it did. And, you, and if everything is just totally by your own might, then you've missed God. I tell you what, when you get in a supernatural flow, God will begin to start prospering you in ways that you can't just relate it to the fact I worked hard and I did all of these things. God will bless you in supernatural ways. 
There will be miracles happening, not only in your finances, but in relationships, in your body, in just all kinds of ways. But one of the reasons that people don't see those kind of miraculous things, which this is what the Word says that He called us to do, is to walk in this supernatural flow. And one of the reasons people don't experience that is because they're playing it too safe. They have desires in their heart. You know, I, I was talking to uh, Tracy Amstutz down here this morning, and she was talking about retirement for most people is they've worked hard and done all of these things, and now in retirement they get to do what they want to do. I think that's terrible. Somebody says, what's wrong with that? You should be doing what you want to do all through your life. Man, if you're just working a job and you hate it and it's blue Monday and you gripe about Monday and then when Friday comes, TGIF. And man, you're excited because of the weekend because you get to do what you want to do. You've missed God. I tell you what, God wants you to be doing things that you're passionate about, that you know your life is making a difference, that... People's lives are being changed. And if you're just going through the motions, this is not a dress rehearsal. Amen. This isn't just preparation for the real thing. This is it. Every day that you aren't doing what you want to do, you are missing God. You need to be seeking God and you need to let God show you something and you need to make your life count and do something that you want to do. I told Tracy this morning, I said, you know what? If that's retirement, well, I've been retired my entire life, amen? <laughs> and I'm never going to quit doing what I want to do. This is what I want to do. This, we're seeing people's lives changed. We're seeing nations changed. We have a potential of literally reaching the world. I mean, we are seeing tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people's lives changed. We've got a new project. I won't take time to go into it, but where we could go to people that have never heard the name of Jesus. They can't read or write. They are struggling to survive. Their babies have the swollen bellies, and we can go in and see millions of people's lives changed. God has opened up doors. We are making a mark on the world. It's awesome. It's awesome. I am so excited every day when I get up about what God is doing. If you aren't excited about where your life is, you aren't following God. Either that or you've let the devil just blind you to what you're doing. I guess it's possible that you could be in the will of God and yet get discouraged and off track. But most of the time when people are just discouraged and their life is a mess and they're bummed out about going to work on Monday and thrilled about it's over on Friday, it's because you aren't doing what God called you to do. When you find what God called you to do, there is going to be a satisfaction. There is a place called there that just things begin to work. You know, one of the ways that Elijah found out where to go, I don't know how long this brook Cherith was, but let's suppose it was five miles long. Could have been 20 miles long, 100 miles long, I don't know. But if it was five miles long, how did he know the exact spot? How did he know exactly where he was supposed to go? It's possible that he could have made camp here and the, the supply could have been around the bend. How did he know? Because when he followed the word of the Lord and got there, it says, I have commanded. That means God had already spoken to the ravens to feed thee there. Ravens can fly faster than Elijah could walk. So that means, you know, how he knew he was there. When he got there, there was provision. God had already made the provision. God had already meant the need. 
But if Elijah, for some reason, had not obeyed this second word from the Lord, and if he would have just stayed there, did you know, even if he wasn't killed, he could have starved to death. He could have not had his need met. And people would have thought, well, man, this isn't fair. Look what he did for God. He stood up to the king. He spoke the word of God boldly, and God didn't supply for him. That's never true. God always supplies, but the supply would have been there at the brook Cherith, and the bread and the flesh would have been rotting, and from his perspective, he would have said, God didn't come through. No, God always comes through, but he's going to send the supply to where he told you to go, not where you are. There may be some of you that are contemplating coming to school and saying, God, you just work it all out, and if you'll do this and this and this, then I'll go. And you may never see it come to pass, and you'll think, well, I wanted to go, but God just never supplied. No, he did supply. It was here. <laughs> Your place there is here. And you didn't go, and you didn't see. The supply is where God tells you to go, what he tells you to do. Boy, that is powerful. And I tell you, this is why so many people are missing out on the supernatural things of God in their life because they're playing it too safe. They're afraid. They're afraid to do something different. You know, I've heard it quoted that Einstein is the guy who said that it's a definition of insanity to do the same thing and expect different results. And yet there's people that they are praying, oh God, change my life. Oh God, do this. And you're praying for different results and yet you are afraid to do anything differently. I tell you, that is not how it works. Again, if God's speaking to you, maybe not every person in here God's speaking to, but if God is speaking to you about coming to school, you know what? You don't need to say, all right, if you'll do this and this and this and, and show me all of the ways and don't leave it so that there's no questions, there's nothing involved. If you have a witness in your heart that God is leading you this direction, do it. Notice it says right here in 17 verse uh, 5, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. If he hadn't went and did, then there wouldn't have been this supernatural provision and all of these things wouldn't have come to pass. If God has put this in your heart, you need to follow through on it. Somebody says, but I don't know for sure if it's God. I have people all the time come up to me and say, if I could just do what I wanted to, I'd come to Bible college. I want to do it. Man, this would be just my dream. I would love to come and sit under the Word and have all of these things happen, but I'm just not sure if it's God. And I got to where I just, you know, I used to try and explain this to people, but now I just respond by saying, well, I understand what you're saying. This could be the devil that wants you to sit under the Word four hours a day, five days a week for two or three years. That sounds like the devil. Or maybe it's just your flesh that wants to come out here and seek God with your whole heart and put God first. I mean, that sounds like carnal human nature. You know, if you've got the desire, the Bible says in Psalms chapter 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean that God is going to give you whatever you lust for, a new mate, your neighbor's house, whatever. That's not what that's talking about. That's saying that when you put your delight in the Lord, God changes the desires of your heart. God puts his desires in your heart. 
If you have a desire to literally uproot yourself and absorb yourself, plunge yourself, immerse yourself into the Word of God, I can guarantee you that is not the devil or your flesh that put it there. It's God that put this desire in your heart. Now, we have multiple ways. You know, sometimes people have to, you know, for whatever reason, but we have online Bible school, correspondence Bible school. We have extension schools all over the United States, around the world. We're trying to make it as available to people as we can. But man, if God has put this desire in your heart, it, you need to act on it. And I know that many people are, are doing exactly the opposite of what this is telling us. And you're waiting for the second, the third, the fourth step. You're wanting to get this question answered and that question answered before you will do something. If God has put it in your heart, just do it. If it hair lips the devil, do it. If it causes all kinds of problems, just do it. Just go and do what God tells you to do. That is how simple it is. This is so simple, you got to have somebody to help you to misunderstand what I'm saying. <laughs> I tell you, we complicate things. And we complicate it because we've got all these fears and doubts, and we want every problem totally annihilated and removed so that there is zero risk. I'm telling you, walking with God, trusting God is risky. If you're just the person that's you're going to play it, you're, you're going to look at your options and you're going to choose the safest one every time. It's all about self-preservation. You're going to miss God. God is going to lead you to do things that looks like absolute disaster. He will lead you in ways that looks like that this can't work. I could give you a million examples of this. You know, God put in my heart a lot of things about ministering to large numbers of people and having a worldwide ministry and reaching people and stuff. And we were taking little baby steps in that direction. And we had a church in Childress, Texas for the first time in our life. It looked like things were going to work. There was light at the end of the tunnel and it wasn't a train. It looked like we were going to live and not die. And we had about 50 or 60 people coming to church and Man, I was excited. And then God told me to go to Pritchett, Colorado. Twelve people in a church in a town of 144 people. It looked like the end of the world. It looked like there's no way from Pritchett except feet first. <laughs> but you know what? I knew that it's what God put in my heart. We followed that and that's where everything broke loose. That's where we started the Andrew Womack Ministries, that's where I started on radio. That's where all of these things started. It turned, I tell you what, if God is leading you to do something, do it. Even if it looks like it can't, this can't work out, do it. And I guarantee you, you will see supernatural provision. Amen? Praise God. We got about two or three seconds left. You are dismissed. We'll come back in what? In 20 minutes. Or, 10 past 10, 10, 10. We'll be back here. Come back for our next session. <laughs>